about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. from Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16, and it's on page 607 in the Bible in the Pews. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The second Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 5. Uh, verses 22 to 25 can be found on page 1155 of the church bible but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you're new or visiting, we are in the tail end of a series on Galatians. We started last year. We saved the best bit till this year, Galatians 5 and 6, a magnificent part of the Bible. And all the way through this series, we've been thinking about what it means to be gospel-free. Not just any type of free, but what is the particular and unique and astounding freedom that the gospel affords to us as God's people? And in chapter 5, we kind of get to the absolute summit of what that freedom means, and it begins to trickle down into everyday life. Basically, the freedom we see in chapter 5 has two halves, and we did one half this week, we're doing the other half this week. As it says in 5.13, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Two aspects to gospel freedom. Freedom from the sinful nature. Freedom from the desires in your heart that force you into evil actions. Right? Freedom from the flesh. Freedom from all that by the cross of Jesus. We talked about that last week. But there's a positive aspect to gospel freedom and that's freedom for serving one another in love. Which is a, a magnificent type of freedom, don't you agree? To have the capacity to actually live out a vibrant, self-sacrificial type of love in community with people who do the same. The problem is, our morally hyperactive, soundbite, podcasting culture struggles to love. We have this kind of moral hyperactivity where we take up advice for a season and then drop it down. And at the very top of our culture at the moment, we are lamenting the, the complete lack of character in the people who run our pop culture and our country. 
we really, really, really do struggle to love in a real deep way beyond the surface in our life hack age. But what we see in chapter 5 is a way to be free to love that comes not from us, but from the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take you through that. How the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, frees you to serve one another in love. The positive aspect of gospel freedom. Three things on that. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit is deeply interested in your character. The Holy Spirit is deeply interested in your character. And I'm using the word character this evening because I think it has the best handle on that couple of sentences that we read at the beginning today on on the fruit of the Spirit and that list of kind of ancient virtues that comes along with it. What Paul says is that the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, in contrast to the acts of the sinful nature in verse 19, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Now what we learn straight away is that this list of attributes are not acts of the flesh. Instead, they are fruit of the Spirit. Interesting contrast between acts and fruit, don't you think? Paul in other parts of the Bible uses the word fruit to describe the evil actions of the human heart, but here he's contrasting acts and fruit. I read Thomas Aquinas in the week, and Thomas said they're fruit because they are delicious which I thought was profound and silly all at the one time. And isn't it true that if you were to be this list of things, you would be a delicious type of person. You would be a tasty morsel of humanity. You would be uh, astounding amongst some of the, the vices and chaos in our world. But notice, it's not from us that that deliciousness comes. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. It's produced by Him organically in us. And therefore, it's not from our morality, not from our strength, not from our spirituality or power that it comes at all. It is fruit deliciousness that comes from Him in us. But as you kind of contrast a bit further with 19 and 20 above, uh, you kind of notice another difference, I think. And it's a kind of a poetic difference. The list above looks like a chaotic tangle of different weeds and cables and mess. Desires that pull us into acts in all kinds of different directions. But the fruit of the Spirit, it has this cadence to it, doesn't it? It's got this poetry, harmony. Uh, There's this kind of beautiful, I don't know, synergy to the totality of these fruits. It's almost like they're not nine different things, but one thing. Like they're describing different Grapes on the same vine. That the Holy Spirit isn't doing nine things in you, but one thing. That has these nine aspects to it. As I read people during the week, a lot of people tried to divide up the grapes into different piles. Uh, and some people uh, thought, well, there are uh, you know, inward ones and outward ones. Love and joy and peace are inward and the others are outward. Or some are Godward and some are relational, you know, outward to other humans. But when I look at the list, I really struggle to kind of pull them apart in that way. I don't think they operate like that. I think for most of these virtues, they have to be inward and outward. If you are 
present a joyful persona but are not joyful in your heart, are you really joyful at all? And if you sacrifice yourself in love for another but it does not grow from a motivation in uh, response to their need, is it really love? Is peace peace if it's inward tranquility that doesn't result in you giving peace to others? And self-control might be part of your spirit, but it is about the way you give your desires outward and respond to others. There's kind of this, they're, they're Godward, they're inward, they're outward, they're everything because they're, they're virtues. That's what virtues are. They are settled patterns of both behaving and feeling. They kind of run so deep eventually that they attach to your bones. That's what the Holy Spirit is growing in. This whole new settled pattern of behaving. He's not just commanding you to love. He's making it so that when you enter any situation, you will love. That's why Paul says in verse 23 that against these things, there, there, there is no law because you can't mandate this type of deliciousness in someone. It has to be produced organically by the work of the Holy Spirit within and it is one unified work of growing a new beautiful self in and that new beautiful self loves as jesus loved and gave himself for us it is centered in joy that overflows into community of joy it has an inner tranquility that pursues outward peace it has a patience that suffers through the annoyance of others and the frustration of circumstances it has an ability to be practical and kind in the moment to have integrity always, to be fiercely loyal, and to push down nonsense desires to get things done. It is a remarkable character that the Holy Spirit is interested in shaping in you. The thing is, that often when we uh, think about the Spirit's work in our life, or we think about God's plan for our existence, Often what we are really saying and thinking is, I think in the end, God will make me happy. Or I think in the end that God will give me the desire of my heart that I'm longing for. That's what it means for God to have a plan for my life. What we see here is that the Holy Spirit is much more interested in your character. And that through the disappointments and the joys and the ups and the downs of life, He is producing deliciousness in you. The Holy Spirit is deeply interested in your character. But the question that raises is then, well, how? How does that happen? How does the Holy Spirit form us into people like that? And the the, the second thing I want to say in, in answer to that is this, that the Spirit uses imperfect community to perfect us. Spirit uses imperfect community to perfect us. Have a look at this list. How many of them could you do if you were isolated on an island on your own? I mean, how do you be patient unless there are people who are really annoying around? How do you show kindness if there's no one to bake for? How do you show 
sacrificial love if there is no one in need around you who needs it? And how do you demonstrate that you're the same person all the way through unless you have to interact with people daily? You see, the way that the Holy Spirit forms that character in us is through gathering us into a community of people who are different from us in heaps of different ways so that they annoy us, so that there are different things, and so that we are forced to grow through the imperfection of the community. You see, I think the problem that we have, one of the problems we have with this, is that we, when we think about the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the forming of community for our transformation doesn't really come to mind. And I think that's because we don't understand the Holy Spirit that well. When we think of the Trinity, we think, Father, kind of get that, Noah, Father's got a Father, Son, kind of get that, seen that, and then there's this thing, and I guess in our minds it's kind of like Father, Son, and Tesla battery. Like there's this relationship with God, but then there's also this power source, like in Adelaide, when the power goes out, the Tesla battery kicks in. And if you can hook into that, when your power runs out, the Tesla battery will fit in. And we have this vision of the Holy Spirit that is, he's a power source to be tapped into, and it kind of diminishes his person and turns him into, you know, akin to electricity, really, doesn't it? But the Holy Spirit in the triune God is not the power source. What's his, how does he fit in? The Holy Spirit opens the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father so that he can be a father and he can be a son. The Holy Spirit enables them to be in communion and to be themselves at the same time. That is what he does in the triune God. And that he was, that's what he does amongst us. He brings us to our fullness through opening us to one another. He is the great gatherer of community of different people of ages and stages and races and stories and pains and joys, drawn together for no other reason than that they love Jesus Christ. And when that community comes together and people have to deal with one another, in the midst of that life, we become the people the Holy Spirit wants us to be. It works kind of like this. Uh, there's this really interesting book by a guy named Nir Eyal, and he is... Uh, a software, uh, what does he call it? Like an experience, uh, uh, tech experience guy, anyway. Uh, and what he teaches is that there is a basic uh, behavior system in the human self uh, that software can tap into. And so he talks about Instagram and Facebook and talks about the way they create habits in us. It's very simple in the end. The idea is that when someone signs up to Facebook or LinkedIn, whatever that's about, or Instagram, uh, you know, at the beginning you get text messages, you get like love letters in the sky, you get notifications on your phone, you get this bombardment of external cues. Go to the app, go to the app, go to the app, go to the app, go to the app again and again and again. But a month in, if you follow the cues, what happens? They all stop. Why? Because if in that initial period, you can get someone to follow the cue habitually again and again and again and again. Do you know what ends up happening? If they do it enough, it forms a desire inside them to open the app. 
And so what is an external thing that they wouldn't really want to do in the end is something they desire to do, scrolling through people's you know, resumes every day or their photographs of their breakfast and stuff. It's not normal, but we're, you know, we got habitually pulled into it and now we desire it. And this is, this is how the human self works. If you get into repetitive patterns, what happens is you don't just go through the motions anymore. You begin to desire what you're doing. You begin to want it. You begin to love it. You begin to long for it. And the exact same thing is true of the way the Holy Spirit forms us in community. You see, how can you be a kind person unless you've enacted kindness in so many hundreds of different ways that no matter the person in front of you, you know exactly how to be kind? How is it that you could be someone of self-control until you have faced so many situations in community where you could have done something and zagged the other way? Through going again and again and again and again in imperfect community, the Holy Spirit forms not only us externally but internally to long after those things. You see, if there's one way to keep the Holy Spirit out of your life, it's running away from community. Because it's in imperfect community that the Holy Spirit is perfecting this self in us. Because it is the hardest thing for us to learn to live in peace with such a weird, odd mixture of people like this. It's a gift. If you're annoyed with something, someone this evening, it's a gift. If you're struggling in community, it's a gift. Holy Spirit is forming you. What fruit, what deliciousness is he producing as a result? But that's not really enough, is it? It's not really enough that there's this kind of outward-in movement of the Spirit forming us. There's also this inward-outward formation. And this is really where you get to the heart of how the gospel frees you to love. Because not only does the Spirit perfect us in imperfective, uh, imperfect community, but he leads us in Christ's victory. So we read in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now this is an interesting verse, and you need to read it a couple of times to let it sink in. Because it's telling you two different things in the same kind of package. On the one hand, it's telling you things that have happened in the past. And on the other hand, it's telling you things to do in the present. What it says is, is if you belong to Jesus, if your faith is in him, it's almost like your flesh, your sinful nature was on the cross with him that day at Golgotha. You are connected into that event. And he has condemned your flesh, your sin, at the cross already. Crucified and gone. And that you now live by the Spirit who raised him from the dead. You are both crucified and live again. Things that have already happened to you. But at the same time, he says, in the present, live in these things. So in verse 24, what does he say? Look at, look at the sentence carefully, because who crucifies what? Jesus doesn't crucify our sinful nature. We are not passively crucified in that verse either. What happens? 
those who belong to Christ Jesus are crucifying in the passage, and they are crucifying the sinful nature. See, in that sentence, you are the active participant. That by your faith, your relationship to Jesus Christ, it's like in the action of trusting Him, you nailed your flesh to the cross. And so in the present, you are to be about the death of your sinful nature, nailing it when you find it. And not only that, but not just living in the cross, but living in the the new life of the Spirit. Crucifying the flesh and keeping in step with the Spirit who has already given you life. These things are true of you, and so live in them. What is the power to form this new self in us? It is not in us. It is in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Spirit He's poured out. See, this is how it works. Everyone loves the flow diagram. We live in community, imperfect as it is. We realize that actually we're not patient because people are really that annoying. And we realize that it's not just that we don't like being patient, it's that we're frustrated at people's lack of concern for our stress levels. And as a result, we go back to the cross and we say, well, I've got to nail that sinful nature back onto the cross where it belongs. And I have to take up a new way of life and walk in that in the Spirit instead. And so you walk back into community with new patience and you realize you have no self-control. And you realize that that's because there's this desire gone wild in you when you go back to the cross and you go, Jesus, I'm going to nail this on there and I'm going to walk in a new self-control. And you come back into community and you realize you're, not, you're, you're, you're really not joyful. And we go again, and we go again, and we go again, and again. And the Spirit, and He not only opens us to community with each other, but in the process, He is opening us to our Savior. You see, because what does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Because at the end of the day, friends, you are not as delicious as you think. You might have a little bit of kindness, but there's none of the self-control to match. You might feel joyful sometimes, but not really that often at all. You might feel peace off sometimes, but not much. You find yourself having some, but not everything, and definitely not the fullness. See, the reality behind these fruit is that they don't describe you. Instead, they describe Jesus Christ. He was the one who did walk by the Spirit. The Spirit conceived him in Mary's womb. The Spirit came on him at his baptism. He walked in the desert with the Spirit. He walked to the cross with the Spirit. He rose again from the grave with the Spirit. And to keep in step with the Spirit is not to become an awesome person, but to have Christ formed in you. Galatians 4.19 I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What does the Holy Spirit do? He pours the love of Jesus into our hearts. See, the only way that you'll ever know how to love is when you know to the bottom of your souls that Jesus loved you so much that he gave himself for you. And when that cascades in, a joy grows up that is deeper and more profound than any slight thing in the world and settles your soul in peace unlike anything through any danger. And when you realize he lived 33 years with people like me and you, 
and he still went to the cross, that will grow patience in you. And when you see the gentleness with which he dealt with sinners and with the soldiers who nailed him down, when you see his self-control when he was insulted, when you see uh, the radical integrity and faithfulness he had to God and his promises, when you see that, when the Holy Spirit pours that into you, is when you start to have Christ formed up in you. When the love of Jesus is poured into the soil of your heart, that's when you get delicious. So friends, what are you going to do with this? Are you on board with the Spirit forming your character in a place like this this year? Are you asking Him to show you the delicious nature of Jesus in the way your heart needs to know to grow further? Because that is what the Holy Spirit is doing among us this year. That's what He's going to do among me, with me. You know, to be honest, I really struggle with being joyful. But when I gather together with you, brothers and sisters, and I see thank, you thanking God for all of your blessings, and when I sing the praise of Jesus and that He has died for me, all of a sudden joy springs up in my heart. When I'm struggling with my pride and I walk alongside you and you ask me to be vulnerable with you, the Holy Spirit is tearing apart my pride bit by bit as I'm more vulnerable each time with you or in each way and every time. I'm learning how to love beside you when you work out how to love someone in a way I've never even thought of and my imagination of love is exploded. And as we gather week by week and drink in the love of God in drafts from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will form us into Christ the Son. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we come and confess the frailness of our character this evening, the flimsiness of the self that we hold in such esteem. We confess the beauty of Jesus Christ, His utter perfection, His utter glory, who was nailed to the cross for our sin. And we pray, Father, this evening for a new work in us. We lay aside our effort, our plans, our moral hyperactivity and ask you by your Holy Spirit to pour into our hearts afresh the love of the Son of God that we might taste and become, that we might accept the Holy Spirit's summoning of us to one another and deeply grow in all aspects of who we are into the person of Jesus Christ. Come among us, move in us, we pray. Amen. Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.